I'm Tony. And this is Matt. And this is a special bonus mini episode of What Did We Miss? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mini episode. So, I, I mean, we figured we'd cash in on the superhero phenomenon, and we're here today to talk about, that's right, Shazam. The Shaquille O'Neal, Genie in a Boombox movie? Yeah. That's Kazam. Oh, no. Shazam with Zachary Levi and that other kid. I haven't seen it yet. But speaking of Kazam, yeah. isn't there like a weird internet, like urban legend? Like there's some confusion online. There are people who believe that Kazam was the same movie, but it was Sinbad and not Shaquille O'Neal. I did. I, I wasn't. I don't know. It's Wait, like a, so is Sin, doesn't Sinbad, Sinbad, Sin, doesn't Sinbad have a, a similar movie though? I don't know. I mean- there was that movie where he was a Secret Service guy who was protecting the president's kid. Yeah. And he didn't wear his flak vest because of chafing. Uh, um, there was a, a house guest with Phil Hartman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. If only we had the internet and we could look it up. But that's not, that's not what we're here for. Not for the mini episode. No, we are talking about the Infinity Gauntlet. Yes. Not the item, but the, the 1991 com- comic book. Mm-hmm. We figured with the Avengers Endgame coming out that this would be nice to kind of catch up on something that in, was inspired the movie. Mm-hmm. So let's talk briefly uh, comics. How familiar are you with you know event comics? How many event comics have you kind of read? Or yeah, so I tried at a very young age to get into comics, but the continuity threw me. Like mm-hmm. I was like a little kid. Sure. You know, I picked up an issue of Spider-Man or something at a, a grocery store with my grandparents, and I was maybe five or six, and uh, couldn't make heads or tails of what was going on. And that kind of, and you know, I would try periodically throughout elementary school, and that kind of scared me off of comics. So in high school, I, I really got into them, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially once I had a car, and I was able to get to the comic book shop and sure. dig through back issues. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what event. Hmm. Maybe I think Civil War may have been the first big event that I was that I read. Uh, I was aware of House of M, but didn't get into it. I um, I was into comics for a few years, but didn't really, you know, I didn't take a deep dive into the entire Marvel universe. It was you know Spider Man, X Men, more familiar stuff. Sure. So those big crossover events, I was tangentially aware of, but never really dug my teeth into. So you've never read Infinity Gauntlet. No, not until we read it uh, specifically for this. Uh, I have read Infinity Gauntlet, so this is my second uh, go through. I didn't read it like when I was younger. Uh, I had read a bunch of kind of Marvel event stuff, but like you, I think the big stuff for me was Spider-Man and X-Men when I was a kid. And so I've read a lot of the older X-Men kind of crossover stuff. I kind of read like uh, Age of Apocalypse and and those kind of things. Yeah, My, my real familiarity with comics when I was young was the Spider-Man and the X-Men animated series that yeah. were on, I think they were both on Fox, mm-hmm. Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, both rich with continuity, but I think being there from the beginning, I was able to follow it as opposed to trying to piece together decades worth of stuff that had yeah. already been going on. And also the trading cards, uh, which... Uh, oh, I remember those. Yeah, and we'll get it once we start talking about Infinity Gauntlet. I'll mention how those sort of coached me. Th- my memory of those trading cards kind of coached me through some of the bizarre. Awesome. 
uh, oh, yeah. in media Reyes stuff that was sure. happening. Yeah, it's a dense book. It's strange. Like I think event stuff, and I think they've gotten worse over time in the fact that Infinity Gauntlet was kind of standalone. Like you just, I think there was a few uh, ancillary titles, like Silver Surfer, but for the most part, you could just kind of read it, and it was kind of doing its own thing. Now, when you pick up one of the latest events, whether it's like Avengers versus X Men or Original Sin, you have to read, you know, Spider Man, and you have to read X Men, and you have to read Fantastic Four, and 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 Avengers, and, and the book itself. Oh wait, I lied. I got my parents gave me the fun, funny enough uh, in my Easter basket one year was the Death of Superman trade, oh, which nice. was strangely appropriate for <laughs> for Easter because <laughs> he comes back, baby. Um, so that was not an event in that it, it was it was not a Death of Superman miniseries. It was the collection of all the different. You know, it was a Justice League issue here, yeah. Superman there, Action Comics. But that reprinted edition had the the sort of stinger at the end of uh, at the bottom of every last page, you know, to be continued in Justice League number whatever, and that that threw me too because then I thought I was missing stuff. Yeah, I thought this was just like a big piece of it, but I had to go seek out other things to fill in the gaps between issues, not realizing that. The issue they were pointing me to was on the very next page. Mm-hmm. Again, we've established in previous episodes, I was a dumb kid. So. <laughs> That's kind of what's great about uh, right now is, you know, I have a subscription to Marvel Unlimited and they have like, not all, but a large, large selection of all their, their back catalog. And so if I'm reading something and I'm unfamiliar with the context for it, or if it says, see this, I can literally go and, and research it and kind of read about it. But also what makes it easier now is like if I don't feel like reading some shitty third-rate D-list superhero spinoff that contributes to like a, a big event series, I can just go read the Wikipedia summary or something like that. Like there's enough information available where you could go search it out if you want to fill in those pieces. Oh, for sure. And I think if anything on Wikipedia is 100% accurate, it's probably the comic book <laughs> Pages, <laughs> I would trust those over anything else. But yeah, people uh, people are sticklers about making sure you know all this information. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned that Infinity Gauntlet is a dense read, and a, before we dive into this, I want to just throw this out there that I imagine my experience with reading the Infinity Gauntlet is probably not too dissimilar from somebody going to see the first Avengers: Infinity War, maybe without having seen the rest of them, or maybe only seen a few of the sure. Marvel movies. There's a lot of weird continuity that hits you really early on in Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. And it doesn't hold your hand because I can't imagine in 1991 anyone at Marvel was thinking, oh, what if normal people read this? <laughs> <laughs> um, I So I do think, though, that part of what makes Infinity Gauntlet work to me is that it really is just Thanos' story. And it it kind of doesn't care about the superheroes at all. So it's really mostly Thanos and Adam Warlock's story. And I think if you have a like a, a base familiarity with uh, like Doctor Strange and Silver Surfer, like if you're just aware of who they are and what their you know uh, base power set is or something like that, it's not as overwhelming as it could be. And there are a lot of things, especially with the cosmic characters that the book introduces, it kind of explains who they are. Uh, and I find that stuff in Infinity Gauntlet, way more interesting than any of the kind of superhero fighting Thanos stuff, to be quite honest. Yeah. So let's just sort of do the elevator pitch here. Just like um, 
Avengers Infinity War the movie and then the the resolution in Avengers Endgame. Yeah. And, infin- and, and before we get too deep into it, I, I do want to say that anyone that's listening to this, this isn't about uh, Endgame, but we're probably going to talk about some Endgame spoilers and how it relates to Infinity Gauntlet. So if you haven't seen it and, and you don't want to be spoiled whatsoever, maybe you should uh, wait to listen to this till afterwards. Good call. Thank you for that. No problem. So the Infinity Gauntlet, the comic book, like the, the movies that mm-hmm. it inspired, are about uh, this intergalactic despot Thanos who assembles the Infinity Gems, yep. as they were called yep. uh, at that point. Uh, these mythical sort of uh, uh, elemental items that were created when the universe was formed. So um, before, um, I, there's a lot of kind of prefacing things, and, and this is part and parcel with reading comics, I guess, but there's actually a setup series to Infinity Gauntlet called Thanos Quest. Uh, I read it uh, before this. I've never read it before. But I do think it's uh, we should touch upon it a little bit because it does set this up, and it's pretty much what Infinity War movie is. Oh, okay. Which is basically Thanos going to look for the gem. In Thanos' quest, he actually explains exactly what the gems are. Oh, really? And he says, essentially, at the dawn of time, there was this all-powerful being, and he was the only one that existed. He was all. He was so lonely that he basically just committed suicide, and the remnants of him split apart into these six pieces. So they represent reality, in a sense. And there's sort of a variation of that in the movies, because I think in the movies, the celestial beings created them, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, um, he goes to search for them uh, because he's infatuated with the personification of death. And she basically won't give him the time of day. Uh, and sometimes she just looks like a, a skeleton in a cloak. Like a Grim Reaper. Yeah, with a very womanly uh, figure, though. Uh, and sometimes she has a face. Mm-hmm. He sees her with an actual face. In Infinity War, the movie, uh, well, they spent the 20 preceding movies before that finding the Infinity Stones. They popped up in a bunch of the other uh, Marvel movies. So in this... There are um, six characters that he collects them from, and that's the in-betweener uh, he gets a soul gem from, the champion of the universe, <laughs> uh, and he gets a power gem from the champion. Uh, the gardener, who's my favorite, Thanos shows up, and the gardener's there, and uh, he uses the uh, time gem to make his garden you know, accelerate its growth, so it's just the peak of, of beauty. Thanos kind of he uses the power against him, to make the plants grow through him, through his body. So there's like this great drawing of the gardener with like plants growing out of every orifice. Maybe not every orifice. Gross. Uh, yeah. And then there's the runner where he gets the space gem from uh, and uh, the collector who has the reality gem. And the collector was in the Guardians movies mm-hmm. and in Infinity War. And then the Grandmaster where he gets the mind gem from. And all of them, he doesn't really fight any of them. He just kind of plays mind games with them. And, yeah. and it's pretty fun. Um but what's great about Thanos' quest is at the end, he shows up and he has all the gems and he goes to death. He's just like, ah, now we are equals, so now you will speak to me, for I am now a god. And and then death is just like, death never speaks. She always has her minions speak for her. So her minions are basically like, well, now you're a god, so now you're above her, so now she won't talk to you. <laughs> right. So I was just trying to get like the, the, the broad elevator pitch out, but we jumped right into the weirdness. Yeah. This is a this is a story about uh, an intergalactic <laughs> warlord who wants death to be his girlfriend, 
Mm-hmm. So he decides to kill half of the universe. <laughs> For her. For her. Yeah. And she's always nonplussed. She's just like, whatever, dude. I mean, she doesn't say anything. Again, she right. never speaks. Right. Well, it was it was 1991. I wouldn't have been surprised if she said, whatever, dude. You're trying to make that <laughs> some of that, some of that, ride those Bart Simpson coattails. Yeah. So in the film, he is portrayed as this sort of... Uh, you know, he's obsessed with this idea of balance, and they give him a kind of motivation beyond kind of cackling evil, mm-hmm. um, which is really compelling. I don't know that his motivations in Infinity Gauntlet were as interesting to me. It was just very like, I mean, it's so absurd that he he's he's trying to get, yeah, he's trying to win the hand of death, but that's kind of it. But then he's also just like, it's all it's just such very big, comic booky evil, yeah. Um, I like I like his motivations in the book, especially because they get into it how he's a nihilist. He is just this this being of the pursuit of just pure and utter chaos. Uh, he's trying to please death, but at the same time, he's just kind of like he doesn't. That's the only thing it, his sole motivation. Uh, I find it kind of interesting, especially because a lot of what Infinity Gauntlet does is kind of <laughs> there's a lot of that dramatic irony and that's kind of a lot of comic stuff and I think that comes from Jim Starlin who is the writer and he was really big into what they call the cosmic uh, side of the Marvel Universe and he wrote a lot of the big cosmic stuff he kind of introduced Adam Warlock and all those kind of characters and he created Thanos but he was a big Kirby acolyte loved Jack Kirby kind of worshipped him he says there's it's only coincidental that Thanos looks like Darkseid but I mean if you're a big Kirby fan then you know, Kirby created Darkseid, so who knows there? But um, I th- Kirby did that a lot too, uh, whereas basically this kind of super broad kind of dramatic irony kind of things. Like that end of the Thanos quest where he's just like, now you will talk to me because we are equals. No, we are no longer equals. You are better than me, so we cannot talk. Yeah, it's very Twilight Zone. Hey, yeah. I'm the last man alive, but at least I got all these books. And exactly, then you yeah. Drop your glasses. Um, so let's talk about the heroes because while... The Avengers, Infinity War, and Endgame movie, the big three are really Thor and Cap and uh, Iron Man. The big three in Infinity Gauntlet are Doctor Strange, Silver Surfer, and Adam Warlock. Um, Now, Doctor Strange is familiar to people who have seen the movies. Uh, Silver Surfer is, um, I'm not going to call him a deep cut, but he's not necessarily, he's not like a, like Spider-Man level of familiarity by any means. And Adam Warlock. Yeah. Um. What do you know about Adam Warlock? Not too, too much, to be quite honest. Uh, and they have hinted at bringing him into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, they allude to him in one of the post-credit stingers. From Guardians, right? From yeah, the Guardians There's a, a cocoon, and yeah. he, he appears, he has these um, sort of sidekick characters, and they all sort of possess these thieves, or like yeah. Yeah, these like stick-up artists. It's really weird. And then there's a, one of them just turns into a cocoon, and then eventually Adam Warlock emerges from it. He's like this uh, golden... He looks like the... Uh, what were those characters from the second Guardians? The gold people. The Sovereign. Yeah, he looks like the Sovereign. Uh, and mm-hmm. actually, they're who allude to Adam at some point making an appearance. Yeah. Uh, Aisha, I think her name is, is the leader of the Sovereign. And at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, she... They kind of imply that she created him. She's like, I'll, I shall call him Adam. So mm-hmm. they're they're setting up an Adam Warlock thing. I think the big takeaway for anyone listening 
that is curious about Adam Warlock, he's kind of like a Christ-like figure. He's kind of elusive and sort of pulling the strings in the background the whole time, too. Just like Jesus. <laughs> Just like Jesus. <laughs> uh, and he's so- Christ-like in the sense that he's reborn and he comes to set things right in the universe and he does what he kind of... He sees the big picture, I guess. Uh, and he also has like almost omnipotent powers, it seems, you know? Right. And then Silver Surfer is a good guy who was initially uh, the herald of Galactus. And he, mm-hmm. would, he would surf into town on his Silver Surfboard. Uh, As one does. Warn, warn a planet that Galactus was coming to eat it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he was talked out of that by the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Um, and he has been a good guy ever since. Uh, again, part of that pantheon of, of more cosmic, almost demigod-like characters. He's mm-hmm. super powerful. He can travel space and, I don't know, I was going to say space and time. Maybe he has. I don't want to be held accountable for suggesting that he can. He has and he will. Infinity War, the movie, ends with Thanos snapping his fingers while holding the gauntlet with the six Infinity Stones and wiping out half of all living things. Mm-hmm. the book Infinity Gauntlet starts with him doing that. So it's just right at the beginning. There's like a scene early on in the comic where we check in with Captain America. Right behind him, there's like a big screen and it kind of lists all the superheroes that are gone. So I wanted to read off some of these superheroes because some we know, like Beast from the X-Men and um, Hawkeye and the Human Torch and the Invisible Woman and Mr. Fantastic. And then there's people like Windshear and Puck. I know Puck. You know Puck? Yeah, he's a, a member of Alpha Flight. Oh, yeah, because Sasquatch are, is dead, the too. Canadian X-Men. Yeah, there's also Sasquatch, who's also a part of Alpha Flight. Yeah, North Star, Diamond Lil. I don't know who Diamond Lil is. Isn't Nor- North Star is also an Alpha Flight? Yeah, there's a bunch of Alpha Flight people here. Night Thrasher. Okay. Yeah, yeah so Hercules. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm not sure who Guardian is, to be honest, especially with this illustration. Maybe she's like changed her outfit in intervening years. So there's a lot of characters and they kind of like, well, okay, we got to save everybody now. <laughs> it's not as kind of uh, tortured as as parts of Endgame are. No, they don't spend a whole lot of time with any kind of grief. In fact, although, yeah, that is great. There is that great panel of um, the, the Trump Tower in, uh, I'm guessing, Atlantic City. <laughs> it looks that way. Um, it's right on the beach. So it's not maybe not Trump Tower, but a Trump mm-hmm. Hotel. Um, <laughs> being uh, overrun by a tidal wave in yeah. wake of... Uh... Yeah, because so, so I think the planet starts moving out of its its axis. Yeah, he does something like he unleashes a surge of power that yeah. uh, is devastating up close. By the time it hits Earth, it's not as bad, but it's still... Because um, he just keeps... Still ruins a Trump building, which good for good for Thanos. Yeah. He saw that he did one, shit show He coming. did one good thing. He did. You mentioned Captain America, Beast, some heroes we're familiar with. Yeah. Instantly recognizable. On the flip side, and this is where we're going to get into some Endgame spoilers, possibly, Mm -hmm. there are heroes who we recognize doing things that make no sense. Like Thor is in this, but he is actually a mortal guy with Thor's essence inside him. Uh, We see Hulk uh, in this, and the first time we see him, he is not only wearing clothes, but at a bar drinking beers and talking uh, quite articulately. Yeah. Uh, so we, Similar to Endgame. Yeah, yep, in Endgame. Um, yeah. Although he's more combative in it. As far as like, he's like, he does, he's kind of put off by, by what's going on. At some point, something had happened and Banner and Hulk have become one and, and can 
have attained this sort of equilibrium, but he's a very surly guy. Endgame kind of, especially for Thor and Hulk, lean into their Ragnarok personas and, and really play with uh, the lighter side of their personalities, um, the uh, coherent uh, intelligent Hulk of Endgame um, is always wearing goofy sweaters and glasses, um, and is just kind of a goofball. So he seems great. so like like he's just so laid back and chill, which within the context of everything that's happened is like makes a lot of sense. Like he's like, yeah, man, I'm a Hulk. I can't really do anything about it. Just live with it. <laughs> um, so at one point, Adam Warlock uh, approaches Hulk and uh, and Wolverine, and he's just like, hey. I know when it comes down to it, you guys will you will murder Thanos. And they're both like, oh, 100%. You're like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great because even with these kinds of stakes, and you know, this is sort of uh, in the movie Captain America is very much, uh, you know, he has that struggle with what he is and is not willing to do. And he has his, his ethics and his code. But even in the comics, there are characters who are like, yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> this is all too big. I need to find the, the two murderers in this group <laughs> of idiots. Doctor Doom is a good guy, not yeah, a good guy, but well, he like, he's 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 working for the benefit of uh, himself of Latveria, yeah. Because uh, I mean, like he's he's the ruler of Latveria, and so he's just like, I'll do anything for my 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 country. It's a super goofy lineup. Yeah, it really is. Um, um, but um, we're also introduced to all of these crazy cosmic beings. A lot of them created by Jack Kirby. But and, and these are my favorite elements, honestly, of of these type of Marvel stories. But you have not only you know Galactus, which is a lot of people are familiar with, but the Watcher, who's this sort of benevolent, otherworldly being that just observes. Ref- yeah, he refuses to get involved, and he actually popped up in Guardians of the Galaxy two, and there's like a cameo. But there's also um, Eternity, the actual embodiment of all there is, which I just I absolutely love. Because it's just like existence as an actual physical thing, right? And, uh, is that, that if I'm remembering right, that's the character who is just a silhouette with a, like a bunch of galaxies, yeah, filling yeah. its. And void. you got a little hint of a face, in yeah. It. Uh, and then there is Kronos, the Titan God of Time, the Living Tribunal, the Cosmic Judge of all realities, which is kind of like this gold figure with this head that kind of spins around, kind of like the quintessence in the Transformers, the animated movie. And then Lord Chaos and Master Order, the Galactic Balance, the Powerful and Enigmatic Stranger, the Mysterious Embodiments of Love and Hate, and two giants that can only be Celestials. All of these big cosmic entities, uh, the fact that the Hulk can talk, uh, Adam Warlock to some extent, um, those are the characters I only, uh, I was only grounded and kind of was able to play along with how absurd they all were because, again, I had those trading cards when I was a kid. Oh, okay. And- uh, that series must have come out in like 92. So these characters were all kind of hot and in people's memory. So I'm, the little bios in the back and their power charts and mm-hmm. what they could and couldn't do. So, yeah, I mean, there are, like the films, there are just a ton of characters thrown into the mix here. Yeah. This isn't a character story, really. It's no, just it's this really big, not. broad kind of story of good versus evil, I guess. Yeah, and, and, and much like the movies, it's a lot of fun to see characters who you don't, necessarily see interact together get a chance to do that like mm-hmm. one of the 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 joys of the movie infinity war is um you know seeing spider-man zipping through dr strange's portals with the guardians of the galaxy running around all pounding on thanos and just having all of it finally live up to the potential of putting them in the same room together mm-hmm. uh, infinity gauntlet feels a, a lot similar to that what, what's fun too or, or... 
<laughs> I guess it's not necessarily fun, but you know, Adam Warlock essentially is a, is him and Silver Surfer are kind of like staying away from the the big fight. So all the superheroes go together and they're like, we're gonna stop Thanos. And Thanos is on this giant floating uh, portion of a palace, I guess. It's it looks got columns. Ki- it looks kind of like uh, if you can imagine that they they cut off the top of the apartment building at the end of Ghostbusters and it's just <laughs> floating in space. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> just hanging out on a disembodied yeah, Zool pad. It's pretty pad. ridiculous. And he's hanging out there with his brother Eros, um, who he kind of removed his mouth so he can't speak. Yes. And his granddaughter, Nebula, mm-hmm. not his daughter, his granddaughter. And he kind of like regressed. Well, not regressed. No, she was like a withered, like yeah. tortured, emaciated. In the movie series, Nebula has been like tortured and, and tinkered with. And he's sort of been augmenting her with all these robotic parts. In this, he's just kept this poor, like, withered husk of a creature alive. Yeah. And she's she's all but a skeleton. She doesn't really do much. While the superheroes go to attack, Adam Warlock is, is basically saying to Silver Surfer, oh, they're just pawns. I know this isn't going to work. I need to distract Thanos. Uh, so the superheroes, essentially, they all die. Thanos wins. He, he disposes of them. But he actually says, like, oh, in order to prove to death how great I am, I'm going to hold back a bit. Oh, yeah, he he tells the, the Infinity Gems not to give him all that power. He kind of, like, yeah. disconnects from it. Yeah. And then I, I think death is the one that actually steps in to sort of help the good guys. But what they do is... It's kind of confusing because Adam Warlock basically says he had this plan from the get-go. What his plan is isn't 100% clear, but if essentially they kind of swoop in. Somehow Nebula gets yeah. the gauntlet. They don't really go into detail. She just kind of steals it from him. Yeah, and puts it on. She turns back into a, a healthy uh, life form again and then like undoes everything. She sort of, uh, yeah. after Galactus- She fixes everything. After, not Galactus, after Thanos has killed all the superheroes, defeated all of the embodiments of the cosmos, all these, he essentially kills not just superheroes, but gods, like without breaking a sweat, you know, in her sort of naive attempt to undo it all and bring those people back and those creatures back, also turns herself back into a, a barely alive thing and the gauntlet falls off and- yeah. Well, it's confusing, though, because there are moments where... Because they basically say, we need Thanos' help now in order to stop Nebula. Oh, yeah, because then there's a great panel of him back at uh, Doctor Strange's house, like, sitting in an easy chair getting yelled at, <laughs> <laughs> which is ridiculous. And, but it's funny because Adam Warlock says to him that, like... Well, I, I have it right here, actually. Adam Warlock is like, we know we need your help to overcome Nebula. And Thanos goes, and what if I with, withhold this aid? What benefit do I reap from Nebula's death? And then Adam Warlock goes, the truth. What truth about yourself? You have some special insight into this matter? Yes. I was part of the soul gem while you possessed it, which permitted me access to your inner heart. I know you as no other being in the universe does, better than even you do yourself. Look back into your life, Thanos of Titan. What do you see? A man always seeking ultimate power and losing it as soon as he attains it. Why? Because deep down in his soul, he knows he is not worthy of it. So basically, he convinces Thanos. He's just like, you know you're no good. Right. So you might as well come help us. And Thanos basically is like, all right, fine, I will. So he goes to help them. Which, having read this before Endgame, I, I kind of wondered if they were going to play with that. Not not knowing beforehand that Nebula played such a big role in this comic um, and knowing how much hatred she had for him, 
if they were going to find a way to, you know, and she'd survive the snap, if they were going to find a way to play that up and reluctantly have to align themselves with with Thanos, because again, he, he is delusional and he's not he's not a good person, but he doesn't see himself as a bad guy, and he, it all makes sense to him. And there was a version of that movie that could have played out that way, and it didn't at all. And to that note, I was really surprised by the movie in a lot of ways. Uh, it took some turns I wasn't expecting very early on, and I, I really found myself enjoying it a lot more than I was even expecting to. I think when they announced both of the Infinity War movies, because initially it was Infinity War 1 and 2, I had kind of written it off being like, there's no way. There's no way they could do this. This is just too many characters. And I think they do a good job of kind of making it feel comic booky, not taking itself too seriously, having moments of not necessarily levity, but kind of like those broader, goofier comic book moments like miniaturized spaceships traveling through time, appearing in a building and growing to full size and destroying buildings. Mm-hmm. Like that's super dorky. And I think I uh, I really appreciated that. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I feel like with this last batch of Marvel movies over the last few years, in particularly um, Thor Ragnarok, Ant-Man, Black Panther, Black Panther, they've all started to really have their own identity. But uh, more than anything, they've really embraced and leaned into the fact that they're comic book movies and they're they seem to not be afraid to really spread their wings and get weird when it calls for it or get fun when it calls for it i was really expecting this to be a three-hour slog of just grim depressing stuff and the bookends are pretty heavy but they really they really let the characters have one really fun ride together before everything sort of comes to a head. And one thing that really can't be shortchanged about all of these movies is that they just do a great job at casting because when you're watching this movie, like they're, these actors are terrific. Chris Evans is Captain America and it would be hard for him to kind of, I guess, go beyond that. But like, it's hard to really, you take that for granted a lot of times, especially in something so big and audacious as this is and right. and, and effects driven because it can easily just kind of just be all that money up on screen but the actors are they're all just give great performances yeah i mean it's a very fine line this could have i mean it never would have made it this far if if it didn't all work but from the get-go i mean some of these characters especially ran the risk of just being uh very attractive people in ridiculous outfits <laughs> uh and to some extent, they are that, but yeah. um, there's a lot of charm and charisma in those silly outfits to sort of make it all come together. And at this point, it's, you know, they really do become those characters, and you don't really see the actors up there. You see these superheroes. And yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, did you like the, the comic? I did. Uh, you know, I don't know how essential. I, I didn't feel it, it added anything. I think I was. My interest in it was really as a curiosity. I did read that this was the best-selling graphic novel of 2018, so I'm I'm very curious how I'm curious how the how the wider audience who maybe only knew these characters through the movies felt about it without reading any of the stuff that came before or after. Cuz while the the elevator pitch is the same, it's it's so strange. You know, when I saw Infinity War, the movie my initial reaction was like, oh, this is just like event comics and all the good and bad that comes with that. 
it's not really character driven. Uh, maybe too many things. It almost feels a little schematic, like a math problem, because like, oh, this character now has a moment to do this line to show this power, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of times, a lot of event comics are kind of they fluff out. Uh, reading this a second time through and being familiar with a lot of modern event stuff, I do think this is one of the better ones. I don't know if event comics are always essential. <laughs> I think I'd probably rather read series, to be quite honest. Uh, but I but I do like it. And I think a lot of the comic familiarity I have is much more sort of postmodern, post-Watchmen, Dark yeah. Knight Returns, unnecessarily heavy. And even though this came after those, um, it, it doesn't read like that thought process had really sunk its teeth into Marvel yet. It was refreshing to read a comic that was so bizarre and so uh, glad to be. I mean, it's just... Yeah. I mean, when you have Thanos fighting the uh, essence of the, the cosmos... And winning. And winning. Yeah. It's just so ridiculous, but it's so much fun. And Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Awesome. Great. Well, um, that was our mini episode. Yeah. If you haven't seen Endgame yet, I'm sorry, but we warned you. <laughs> oh, we didn't get into too many details besides Not the whole thing. Okay, bye. Womp womp. Thanks for listening to this week's What Did We Miss? If you want to know more about the episode, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at What Did We Miss for links to some of the clips, videos, and research we may have mentioned throughout the episode, plus previews of upcoming shows. Drop us a line and let us know what you think, especially if we're talking about one of your pop culture blind spots. 